Hello, and welcome to Bondi Nights, a podcast recorded in Bondi at night. And what do you say we just get right into it? I, um... This is a very special episode of Bondi Nights because it is a special Mother's Day episode. Uh, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, all the grandmothers, uh, and you know, even I'm even going to give a shout out to mon- to Mother the Energy Drink because that is a great drink. Uh, but particularly the, the people, the mothers, uh, they, I shouldn't, I shouldn't take too much of the attention away from, uh, from motherhood, uh, by devoting disproportionate amount of time to discussing an energy drink, even though I am very tempted to do so, I know that my better judgment tells me not to do it. I want to talk about human mothers, and specifically my mother. I want to give her a shout-out. I'm not going to name her, uh, but she is a listener of uh, Bondi Nights, and she's probably going to listen to this. So, happy Mother's Day, uh, Mom. And... I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, my conversation, my Mother's Day call with my mother today. And, um, you know, it started off a bit rocky because we, she, she gave me her thoughts on the podcast, which she hadn't done up until now. She listened to um, the episode I think it's called uh, the title is David Lynch and I I don't know why she picked that perhaps at the time it was the most recent episode or perhaps she just wanted to hear some David Lynch content and you know it seems like she she didn't mind you know the David Lynch stuff but one comment she did make that kind of you know, no one likes to get uh, criticism of 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 one's pod, but it was forthcoming. She said she didn't like my analysis of Darshine by ASAP Rocky feat Skepta, and uh, she, it's not that she didn't agree with my interpretation of the lyrics, namely the lyric. Uh, she came, I came, now what's my name, in the, um, I believe it's the second ASAP Rocky verse of the song. Uh, it's not that she didn't disagree with my interpretation. She didn't tell me one way or the other, really, where she, uh, falls in terms of, uh, what she thinks the meaning of the lyric is. But she did say, maybe it's a bad idea for me to you know, put content out with my voice associated with it that contains analysis of lyrics about coming. And, you know, fair point, right? Like, who knows, in the future, 
I'm sure like every job, you know, will involve some kind of auditing process of the uh, digital footprint of the applicant that involves, you know, among other things, or that will involve among, among other things, you know, I'll have to speak into a microphone and then they'll take my voice and they'll, some computer program will scour the internet for any kind of uh, content that I've I've released and then the employers will find this podcast and they'll you know obviously have some kind of uh, software program that will be able to generate transcripts of the podcasts so they don't have to troll through it for uh, you know trying to like analyze what I talk about, and then once they have converted the the audio files into transcripts, then they'll have some kind of program that goes through and finds words like coming, you know, came, uh, and then they'll say, oh, this guy said the word came um, in his podcast in 2021. Uh, he's definitely not going to work at this uh, organization because we have a s strictly no references to coming policy among our applicants. But the thing I said to my mom is like, I didn't even say, I, I wasn't referring to like me coming. I was talking about ASAP Rocky and and him coming, you know, which I think is a very important distinction to make. You know, if I was like, talking about like sexual experiences that I have had uh, where I forgot my name because of how hot I came like that's a different story that's like I, I would understand you know if I were to become like a like a you know high school teacher <sighs> them sort of having second thoughts about hiring me if I'm like if I have like some kind of sex podcast where I'm talking about, you know, these kinds of issues. But I don't think that's what Bondi Nights is. If anything, it's a podcast that looks at popular culture, among other things, and just tries to to sort sort it out, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff, separate the um uh you know, the meanings of certain lyrics. Uh, you know, being, being sort of like just a fly on the wall to our contemporary pop culture moment. And, you know, in our popular culture, there are a lot of sexual references nowadays that I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Um, you only have to look as far as a song like WAP which I haven't yet done a deep dive in on this podcast, but you know it's coming. Oh, there I... Fuck, I said coming again. God, I'm going to be so unemployable in the future. Um, hopefully the machine algorithm will realize that I was talking about, you know, an event that, would hap that will happen in the future. Um, but you never know. you got to be... you got to... Maybe it's best to be safe and just use a different word. Like... Um, it's precipitating.
or it's eventuating. I'll have to I'll have to make a post it. Uh, but I, you know, I'm being facetious, but it's a genuine concern. I think growing up, we had a lot of, you know, cause my, my generation was like sort of the first to be on social media and, and, you know, in high school. And, it, and there was definitely a lot of people at my high school being like, look, don't put stuff that'll come back to bite you. And I definitely didn't heed that warning. There are you know, there's questionable stuff online, um, you know, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not like too questionable, but like, uh, I think younger kids now are a a lot, a lot more, um, mindful of this than, than we were. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe this is going to be a problem for me, uh, down the line and I should, you know, steer clear of sexual references. Maybe that whole episode I just uploaded, uh, titled, um, what was it titled? Uh, the mystery box episode. Maybe that has to go. Um, if anyone hasn't listened to it, highly recommend it. Uh, but it does have sexual references. Just warning you now. Um, but yeah, you know, my mom's just looking out for me cause that's what moms do. They look out for their children and they want, um, they want them to have good lives and good futures. And so I don't, I don't begrudge my mom for her, her like, you know, gentle criticisms of my podcast. Uh, and maybe I'll take them on board to, at least to an extent. Um, the other thing that my mom and I talked about, well, we talked about a few things, but one of the things that we talked about was the movie Nomadland because my mom got into a real, you know, big fight with someone uh, about Nomadland, you know, uh, specifically on the subject of the main character in the movie. If you're, if you're not aware, um, the, the, the plot of Nomadland is this woman, uh, she's financially destitute. She, um, lives out of a van and she does these kind of menial jobs. You know, I, she's what's called an itinerant worker, uh, which is a more formalized class of labor in, um, developing countries like China, uh, and India. But in the West, it's a fairly new phenomenon outside of agricultural labor, but, um, she's, uh, she's basically just roughing it and doing it on her own. And she's very stubborn, but like kind of in an endearing way throughout the movie, you come to, you come to sort of understand where she's coming from. Oh shit. I said coming again. Oh fuck. Um, Oh, and I said the F word too. My, that was another criticism my mom made of the podcast was that I was saying the F word a lot. And I think that's particularly true of that David Lynch episode. You know, I, I think like during that, that kind of <sighs> a few episodes around that time, uh, I was very much um, being influenced by the uh, forces of the new, of the full moon. Uh, because I'm very sensitive to the full moon and that makes me 
kind of a little bit aggressive and a little bit prone to swearing. So another episode around that time was uh, the one where I was very critical of Sydney trains for telling me um, not to leave my newspaper behind. And I got very angry at whoever in the marketing department at Sydney trains, uh, you know, made that ad. And looking back on it, I, I, I think I overreacted, you know. I think I even called them a, a douchebag, which is not me. Like, I, I don't like to use that word, but it was the moon, you know. Back in the day, like in the, in the 1700s, you know, if you committed a crime of passion and it was, the, it was the full moon, they wouldn't let you off, but it would be taken into account in sentencing as a mitigating factor, and your sentence would be, um, would be reduced because I think back then people were more um, kind of woke about the moon than they are now, even though it is borne out um, very convincing, like very uh, conclusive studies have shown, you know, I'm talking about quantitative uh, data showing that uh, crimes are committed way more often during the full moon, hospitalizations peak, uh, domestic violence calls, um, alcohol sales, uh, what else? Like a bunch of stuff is noticeably there's a noticeable spike in certain kinds of behaviors associated with aggression and passion and um, sort of just restlessness around the full moon. So this was a bit of a digression. I um, Really what I was on about was Nomadland and I can't exactly recall where I went off the trail there, but I'm just going to go back to talking about Nomadland. My mom got into a fight about Nomadland. She was basically defending Fern, who is the character in the movie played by Frances McDormand. Um, it's actually a play on the name Fran, because a lot of the characters in the movie are playing themselves. So even the actors kind of tried to do that a little bit. So, and then Frances McDormand, McDormand was like kind of kind of a nomad when she was a teenager like she came from a from a you know broken home like white trash kind of family and i think she was a, like in a in an orphanage or like a foster care program or something anyway she came from a rough rough background so she kind of knows this world and she was really the one kind of who was pushing for this project to go ahead uh and she was even the one that had like someone in, someone she knew at Amazon who she convinced to let um, use their brand in the movie, you know. And I, I could talk a lot about sort of the, the issues, the fights that could be had about, you know, the, the portrayal of Amazon in the film, but that's not what my mom was fighting about. And it's Mother's Day, so I want to focus on my mom's beef. Uh... <clears throat> She was defending Fern for <clears throat> basically not taking people's charity and, like, sleeping at their houses, preferring to rough it in her van. And 
you know, I think, like, more conservative people or, like, older people kind of see that as, I don't know what they would call that, maybe just, like, stubborn behavior, like, not accepting a, uh, but that's kind of, but it's ironic, right, that, that a really conservative person, uh, at least compared to my mom, would criticize Fern for not accepting charity, because it's kind of the hallmark of, uh, American conservatism, uh, you know, at least, well, especially since the Reagan era, to basically just glorify anyone who wants to be a rugged individualist that doesn't accept government welfare, um, you know. And uh, we could go into the hypocrisies of that, like, for example, Ayn Rand, uh, one of the you know main proponents of this ideology, was on government benefits towards the end of her life, and... You know, that's real. If you, if you ever encounter a, a, someone who who's really into Ayn Rand, basically that's all you need to tell them, and then they'll just they'll just leave you alone, and stop trying to um, get you to read her books like they're some kind of Bhagavad Gita um, sellers. You know, on the uh, in, on the streets of Newtown. Um, the the whole thing about whether Fern you know, should have accepted the charity or not. It's like, I'm not really going to go into the, like, implications of that for, you know, women and wanting to be, like, you know, independent and doing doing it for themselves, even though that's obviously there. It's like a reading of the film that, you know, it lends itself to that kind of reading, obviously. But, you know, just from my personal experience that I've alluded to sort of, you know, in the past, in past episodes of this podcast, you know, I, I did a, I did a bit of, um, roughing it myself in the American, um, in the American West. And, uh, you know, just, you know, I've done some hitchhiking, not a lot, but I've, I did, I did hitchhike and it was dangerous. And I did, I picked up hitchhikers and I slept in my car, like I bought a car in the U.S. Uh, secondhand, slept in the car, um, you know, slept on people's couches, accepted people's charity. So I, I, I have a bit of experience of this. And one thing I, that, you know, for me, the reason why I kind of empathize with Fern when she didn't want to, like, accept people's charity and live in, like, these comfortable houses for free was, you know, when you're on, when you're in like a kind of nomadic mode of existence, it's not like as bleak and sad as it seems. It's actually awesome. It's so exciting. Every day is very, uh, it just seems very imminent and very meaningful and you know, every moment, you know, it's sort of like a way to just be forced to be present when you don't have, like, the security of your home, basically. You're just sort of in the elements. Um, and, 
And, you know, this was especially an experience that I had when I was doing a lot of hiking in the U.S., you know, because I would be hiking for like four or five days at a time, some, you know, quite often. And then I would like go to a, uh, you know, I would sleep in a town, you know, either at someone's house or in a, or in a, like a hotel, motel kind of thing. Uh, and the thing that you experience is a phenomenon that we, uh, the, the hikers, um, refer to as the vortex. And the vortex is like what the name suggests. You're, you're sucked into urban life and its conveniences. It's um, fast food outlets, it's laundromats, it's, um, oh, what, like, just, uh, it's, it's phone chargers, you know, it's Wi-Fi, um, everything. Like, every little thing is like a little vortex that's keeping you from going back on the trail. And so, I, there was this one time, I, I can't remember the, exactly the context, but... I was, I went to like a really nice hotel, I don't exactly, I think I was with someone and we were at a hotel and we were just in the lobby sort of just chilling, like not staying there or anything, but I just felt like this feeling of dread, you know, because when you're in, you know the feeling when you're in a, ho a lobby of a, of a really nice hotel, it's like even if you're not staying there. It's just like this almost surreal experience of like, wow, this is so nice. You know, every, there's a little like grand piano playing in the in the corner, and there's just this sort of like mumbling, you know, conversation, and and these these big marble things and rugs and red rugs and just everywhere is like red and and like chandeliers and it's just so so fancy and so nice and then you feel this way even when you just come in off the street like not even when you're a hiker but when you when you go from living in a in a forest you know sleeping in a tent for days and days and then you go straight from that to like some kind of four or five star hotel in downtown um I don't know, Seattle or whatever city I was in, I can't remember. Um, it's like a, it was a shock. Like, I felt scared. Because I, because you just feel this like, oh, I thought everything, everything was so great when it was just nature. But now there's like this new thing that's like luxury. And this, this is, this seems pretty nice too. And it's almost like it makes all of the memories, all of like this, this, these peaceful feelings that you had from the trail and like everything like that, it just says, that's all bullshit. This is the real shit. Like this is what, what it's all about. And so you almost feel like it's erasing your past. And I even, you know, not to compare myself to, to like, uh, you know, a, a people like, you know, I don't, you know, I'm just going to make this comparison, but I understand, like, it's not a convincing one. Like, I I almost imagine what it must be like for, for like a, you know, a primitive, uh, um, 
like uh, tribe to just just end up in in the middle of New York City or something. Although that would be a much more extreme experience for them, it's still the same kind of feeling, which is just like, whoa, my whole life is just meaningless compared to this. And look how big that building is. Yeah, like, I remember seeing a video, like, I remember watching this documentary on SBS, and it was, like, these Bushmen from Papua New Guinea or something, and they were, like, in Australia just to see what it was like because they had never been to a, a city. They had just been in a bush their whole lives, and they were staying with this family, and they they buy them... They bought them like a bucket of KFC and just the looks on their faces when they bit into that first piece was just like, I cannot go back to the bullshit food that we've been eating in that bush for years and years since I was born, knowing that there's this food, that this food exists somewhere, you know? And that's like, when there's a scene in Nomadland where Fern is like in this really idyllic beautiful home and there's like a fire and she's in a bedroom and it's a, the bed is made and it's like this nice bedroom that's her guest bedroom and i and you know i i imagine other people in the movie would be like oh that's that looks so nice like why can't phone just stay with them oh my god but i just remember that feeling of going from the trail to even like a small town coffee shop and being like terrified and being like, I need to go back now. I can't stay in this town one more fucking second. Oh, sorry. Sorry, mom. Um, so that's the vortex. So I completely understand Fern's motivations in the movie. And, you know, I, there's a lot I could say about Nomadland that I've, that I've said elsewhere. Um, I have an article that I wrote on the subject, uh, called On Nomadland, and it's published by Blitz, and, um, and if you're interested, you can read that. It's, you can find it on Google, and that's where I talk a little bit more about my experiences, um, of, uh, traveling and, and how, how I feel like you know, I, I, you know, I'm looking at Nomadland through the prism of my own experiences, and, and um, but I, I really don't want to get into that, and I, uh, and I can't really because we're actually already at the end of the episode, uh, so I didn't get to talk about some stuff that I wanted to talk about, but that's okay. Um, it's the nature of the beast, and uh, so thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on uh, the Spotify and email me on bondinights at gmail.com if you're interested in emailing me because I'm interested in you emailing me. So please do it. I need, I need some, I need some, uh, you know, some more material to integrate into the episodes and fan mail would be a great way to do that. So... Until next time, see you around.